Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Dr. Joseph Blondeau joins us, clinical microbiologist and head of clinical microbiology at Saskatoon's Royal University and Hospital and the University of Saskatchewan. Dr. Blondeau, thank you for the time. Can I just ask you, first of all, what do you think people ought to do as they're planning for Christmas and New Year's celebrations? How should Omicron, Delta, and COVID factor into our into our plans uh, in 2021 with 80% of the population vaccinated? Well, that's um, that's a really interesting question, uh, Roy. Uh, and, and the reason being is we know an awful lot about Delta. Uh, we know about the advantages of vaccination with Delta and it protecting individuals from serious disease requiring hospitalization and, heaven forbid, you know, uh, uh, treatment in the intensive care unit. But we don't know the same about uh, uh, Omicron. We, we simply don't. Um, that data is being generated, you know, as we speak by, you know, various investigators around the world. Um, and, and at this point in time, at least in Saskatchewan, we haven't confirmed any cases, but, but there have been cases confirmed elsewhere in, in Canada. And, you know, given the rapid rise in cases in South Africa and the fact that community spread with Omicron has now been recognized in a number of different countries, um, I think it, it, it's realistic to expect that it's only a matter of time before we see more spread within this country. Um, and until we know what the facts are about this virus, uh, whether it's likely to make people severely ill or not, uh, whether or not our antibody levels and those of us that have been immunized are going to be protective or not, um, uh, I think that, that, you know, the jury's really out on, on what this all means for us. But, but directly to answer your question, what I would say was that, you know, I, I personally believe that there's still value in making sure that the folks that you're going to interact with over the holidays are people who are immunized. Um, if they're not immunized, obviously, it's up to you to decide whether or not you, you want to accept a negative test. Um, and, and there's probably still a lot of value in trying to keep your, your social bubbles and your family bubbles small um, as, we, as we come into Christmas, just to keep yourself and those around you protected. Yeah. What, uh, how much... Um, impact will the statements that have come, observational statements that have come from doctors in South Africa who've dealt with Omicron and said that their exposure to it as physicians treating individuals who uh, who came down with Omicron, and I think the national population in South Africa is only about 25% uh, vaccinated, they say it's it's mild, fairly mild, and and uh, and people deal with it. Reason I don't want to put words in their mouths, but but it's fairly mild. Let me stop right there. You you've heard that as well, I'm sure, Doctor Blondo. So where does that fit yeah. into the whole? So, so this this is the good news part of this story. If this continues to be true, um, you know, in light of what we've seen with COVID, the original COVID nineteen strain, and then the subsequent variants leading up to Delta. Uh, you know, was a virus that, that caused severe disease and a, and a percentage of the population, of which we've seen many, many, many deaths. <clears throat> I don't think anybody really cares if they were to catch a virus and have something analogous to the common cold. You know, maybe a, some sniffles, uh, a runny nose, uh, maybe a little bit of a fever, but but doesn't progress to something more serious. I don't think anybody really cares about that. And if Omicron happens to be a strain uh, for which that's going to be its characteristic sort of clinical disease, is that, you know, you're going to get maybe mildly sick, if, if sick at all, 
um, um, then then I don't think that 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 would be the devastation or that you know is coming out of some of the innuendo that's actually being uh, you know commented on both in the media and in, on social media. In the absence of, of information, you know, people will fill in the blanks on their own and, yeah. um, you know, predict doom and gloom. But but the reality is, is that we have to be an evidence-based society. I think evidence uh, medicine has to be evidence-based. And I think the decisions about what we need to be doing also needs to be evidence-based. And, and right now, we just don't have all of the evidence that, that's required. But I do take your point, though, that, that some of the information coming out of South Africa and some of the information from the World Health Organization saying that this virus, uh, Omicron variant, tends to be associated with milder symptoms. And according to the World Health Organization, there have been no deaths yet recorded uh, because of this variant. But that may change, as, as we know. Um, then I think that, that this is the encouraging part of the news. Um, the other point that I'd like to make was that, you know, there was a flip-flop from Moderna where the chief operating officer had made a comment about Maybe the vaccines being less effective against Omicron only to be followed by the president of the company saying, no, 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 that's not true. So even within, you know, companies that are making vaccines, there's uncertainty about what all of this means. And and really, we should be refraining from those comments until we actually have some factual information yeah. that can guide our thinking. Well, it is concerning uh, or does concern many people when, you know, the Moderna is the, the booster shot for, for a lot of people. And I was told, when I made my appointment, I was told that even though I've had Pfizer, first and second, the Moderna was going to be the one that I would have to accept as the booster shot. So then I looked at the story in the Financial Times, where the uh, the yeah. executive officer for Moderna said, well, maybe the uh, the vaccines aren't going to be all that effective against, uh, against Omicron. So I'm asking myself, why would I, you know, this is the logical progression of thinking. So if the guys who produce the vaccine... Say so it may not be effective against the against the the virus. Why would I accept that vaccine? That's just that's just thought to, progression. Of course, but but there's two things that we have to keep in mind that are really important. The first thing is, is that the predominant strain that's circulating in this country is the Delta strain, and we know that the Delta strain is is responsible for you know severe disease requiring hospitalization, and we know uh, during the fourth wave it was primarily seen in the unvaccinated. So then along come, you know, information saying that our antibodies may wane over time, which is a natural progression. That That is an expectation. And we know that by getting a booster with either a Pfizer or Moderna, gets our antibody levels back up and is going to protect us against Delta. What the impact is going to be against Omicron remains to be seen. Regardless, though, having that protection against Delta is probably every bit or even more important than worrying about Omicron at this point in time until we know more about it. So, so I would I would think that even though a lot of the chatting in the literature and in the media right now is about Omicron, uh, um, Delta is still the predominant strain, and we know what it does to people that are more vulnerable to infection. The dominant strain, the dominant concern is still Delta. Omicron has just arrived and is uh, is starting to uh, be further investigated. And Dr. Blondo, that's really so much a part of the equation, isn't it? Taking the time for science and scientists to have the time to do the proper analysis of a viral variant such as Omicron. And and, and those of us who haven't, haven't got a clue what science is about, uh, not getting on social media and declaring, you know, that certain things are fact when we don't know. That, that it's, it's absolutely true. 
Like, like one of the big questions, Roy, that uh, remains to be answered is, uh, you know, uh, if you were naturally infected with COVID and and recovered uh, versus somebody who was immunized uh, against the virus and went through, say, either their, their first and second vaccines and even a booster, uh, is the susceptibility of a naturally infected and recovered individual the same as somebody who's been immunized? And that's a question that, that remains unanswered right now. Uh, we, we know that there was earlier data in the literature that suggests that if you were vaccinated, you had a more robust antibody response than if you were naturally infected. And, and depending on the degree of infection that you had or the severity of infection uh, really had an impact on how robust your antibody response was. So one of the things that needs to be teased out in South Africa and elsewhere where this virus has been found is, is uh, are infections occurring more commonly in, in individuals who are A, unvaccinated, and B, had been previously infected but not vaccinated and, and now continue to be susceptible to this particular uh, variant versus those who were, were immunized. And, and that'll be an important question to get an answer to because then it will have an impact on what our vaccine programs have looked like over the last couple of years in, in regards to this new variant that has arised, arisen. Sorry. Yeah. Are we, are we getting ahead of uh, COVID? And I ask this only because there's a line of thinking, and I don't know how scientific this is, but there's a line of thinking that as a virus mutates and creates a variants, that it will weaken itself, that the, the variants will over time become less of an issue, and then the problem becomes that the viral infection becomes endemic, and, and we know that we're in for a combat with, with this coronavirus for many, many years. Are we getting ahead of it? Are, are, are we getting into the endemic stage? Well, we, we certainly could be, and, and you have to remember, and so do your listeners, that that seasonal coronavirus was something that we used to deal with every uh, every winter or every second winter in this country um, as, you know, the second most common cause of the common cold, uh, second to rhinoviruses. And, and, and as I said, you know, if, if you're an individual who catches a virus and, and you know, you know, the main symptoms are that you have a head cold for a few days, I don't think anybody really cares about that. And, and if this is where we're going with this particular virus, then so be it. Uh, certainly what we want to do is we want to make sure that we continue to protect individuals against these uh, variants which cause more severe disease, again, coming back to Delta. And, and, if, and if Omicron is, is an indication that this virus is, is getting to a point where maybe it's going to become more seasonal uh, and more, more commonly associated with just a milder infection, then that won't be a bad thing. But certainly what we don't want to see is we don't want to see a variant which ends up being, say, more deadlier than, than what we've seen with Delta. Yeah. I sometimes, and particularly recently, ask myself whether too much of this has become political and not enough of it is science. And and I ask this, um, I ask myself this fairly regularly when I hear politicians, and it's not fair of me to ask you this, but when I hear politicians speak about uh, a viral infection, I know they don't know any more than I do. And and they you know they, they they talk about they talk about it as though they do and I know they have advisors I get all of that, but I'd rather li- I'd rather hear it from you than than from a premier or a prime minister who really don't know what they're talking about. Well, well, you know, I mean, it, it, it's one thing to be it's one thing to be briefed on some information, and it's another thing to sort of read the literature for yourself and and have the you know, either the scientific or the clinical background to understand 
what the implications are, maybe how the investigations were conducted, uh, what type of scientific methods were used. And if you have that understanding, it makes it a little bit easier to grasp what the information actually is. But, but the other point that you just raised there, which I think is, which is probably one that's been most important throughout the pandemic, is the misinformation that has occurred uh, through social media. Uh, there are a lot of people who are lying awake at night trying to decide what they're supposed to do because they've been led by misinformation uh, through social media by individuals who have no right on commenting on on stuff which is which is beyond their expertise. And I think that had we have not had that, had this been a time when we didn't have social media, we probably wouldn't have had the same uh, pushback to vaccinations as we've seen with the yeah. anti-vax movement uh, 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 throughout the pandemic. Yeah. So to the person who is um, vaccine hesitant, I think that was the term that surfaced about a year ago, uh, to the person who's vaccine hesitant, but let's extend beyond that. So we have about 80 to 85% of the nat- national population over 12 years of age, double vaccinated. To the person within that 85 percentile who has doubts about the booster, and the last time you were on with me, Dr. Blondo, you said you'd be the first one in line to uh, to to receive the booster. Yep. What's the what's the argument for the booster? What do you say to the person who says, you know, I, I have the first two, but I'm not sure about this. Well, I'll, I'll come clean and say my wife and I were we received our boosters on uh, Monday of last week uh, when we became eligible, and uh, we didn't wait too long after we became eligible to to get in line for the boosters. As uh, soon as we could get an appointment, we get in and we had it done. Uh, and the reason being is because we do know that it's natural for immunity to wane over time, meaning your antibody levels will drop off. That's a natural phenomenon. And we know that uh, a certain level of antibody, uh, whatever that number is, is protective from severe disease. And so those two facts alone would be enough for me to get in line to be to get my booster shot to say, okay, yes, I've had my immunization. Yes, I know the virus still circulating. Yes, I've heard about breakthrough infections. And yes, I do not want to be one of those people that that has a breakthrough infection, which is potentially serious. And one of the ways of protecting myself from doing that is to get a booster. The other way is to simply not interact with people, always maintain a safe uh, distance and, and keep a mask on. But we know that that's becoming less and less practical. So the evidence for, for um, and, and the rationale for getting a booster, I think, is very, very clear. Um, and, and because we know that vaccines are not 100% efficacious, getting that booster, getting your antibody level back up is just good medicine, in my opinion. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.